This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hey everyone, it's Paige, you're back for another episode of Playing Around, and I have, I say this all the time, but this is a very special guest, and I have to say that because she's blood and she's my sister. So I am in Colorado visiting my sister, and she's going to join us today. I think, Lexi, are you a little nervous? I'm not going to lie, I'm really nervous. <laughs> Last night, I was like, Josh, I feel, my Josh is my husband, I was like, I feel kind of weird. He's like, I think you're nervous about the podcast. <laughs> now you know how I feel every day before I have oh to do gosh. this podcast. It's nerve-wracking because you don't want to say yeah. the wrong thing and you know like people are listening to it. I know, it's my biggest audience ever. I've done, you know, like little panels and all that stuff, but I've never spoken to this many people, so... Yeah, a little nervous. Well, I'm a little sleep deprived because Lexi has a one-year-old and I've quickly found out that I am not a baby person. Yeah, well, you've also gotten the short end of the stick because your room's right next to her room and she's getting a molar. So if anybody has kids, you know how horrible it is with the molars especially. So she's been a little more grumpy than normal. And I'm sure you're tired of me being like, she's not normally like this, but it's been a little more whiny and teary than normal. But I'm still just not a baby person. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I have never been a baby person. Every time I see babies, I'm never like, I want to pick it up. I want to hold it. They're so cute. I'm like, they're disgusting. They're loud. But I know what you're thinking, everyone. Paige is a horrible human. Like, how could you not like a baby? It's a baby. Babies are cute. But I figured it out after some self-reflection. And it's not babies I dislike. It's parents with babies. It's and I get it. Parents talking about their babies. That is what bothers me the most. I, I get it. I get it. And I've actually said, if anybody ever hears me in public talking extra loud, like, oh, you're so cute. Look at how I hate that. It's so annoying. Or when you're in a restaurant and the baby's peeking over the booth at you. It's like, okay, I love babies. I am a baby person. I'm like, I don't want to see this baby face while I'm eating my steak. Can you just turn around? Please? And I think it's the way that people talk about their babies yes. too. You know, how many babies are in the 99th percentile? Well, if you listen to parents, literally every, every baby, single baby, they're like, every my baby is <laughs> the 90th percentile in height and it's smart. And at this month, you should be knowing, you know, this many words, but at, you know, they're this many months and they know this many words. My baby is so smart. And it's always how many months they are. They're like, this baby is 327 months old. You're like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Your baby's four, okay? It's not a baby anymore. Just please speak normally. But is that like weird when you do like have a baby and your life then revolves around this like little thing yeah it's actually a little crazy I like I said I am a baby person I've always wanted kids I love babies but all of a sudden so you're in the hospital you have a baby and then they're just like see ya and then you take this thing home and you're like what do I do with it <laughs> And the first couple months are just crying. Every two hours, you have to feed them. You have to figure out what to do. And then you figure it out and then they change. And then something's different. And like you said, they, you know, they spit everywhere and they have little boogers. And you're all of a sudden talking about like poop nuggets that are coming out. And like, oh, great, her poop was solid today. But I think the way like babies like sneeze. Like I know it's a baby <laughs> and it doesn't know better. But why is that like, a chill? And it like, doesn't know any better. And it just bothers me. Like I just can't get over how gross babies are. Uh, Delilah will do this thing where she'll eat. And then if she realizes halfway through eating, she doesn't like what she's eating, she'll just spit the food back out so she's like that and this huge food chunk will just kind of drop onto her plate no no i not a baby 
person. I can't do babies. Maybe one day when I have my own. I wish everyone could have just seen Paige's face as Lexi was describing the food coming back out. It was no, no. It was the it was a face of just torture of just even imagining the sight of that. Oh, it's food plus like baby mouth noises. If you know oh. one thing about Paige, it's that she hates chewing and mouth noises, and there's a lot of that. And there's a lot of me also doing that back to the baby to try and get the baby to chew. So it's not really a great combo. No, it, it like hasn't been great. I mean, it's my niece, so obviously I love her, but she <laughs> doesn't really like me back. So I think we're in okay. mutual understanding that, you know, she does her thing, I do my thing, we'll kind of head nod as we pass, and that's it. You and had a moment this morning though. You had a you had a little moment playing with the bottles on the floor. I, I sensed a little, you know, connection, sort of like an ET almost, like her <laughs> reaching out, touching <laughs> through the bottle nipple as you're coming together. I, it's there. there. There's a spark. I'm seeing it maybe evolving. Uh, Let's see. I need to know, how prepared was your husband in being a dad? Like, I feel like us females, ex- ex- except for Paige, have maternal <laughs> instincts. <laughs> Did your husband, like, I'm going to help with feedings? Like, has he changed a diaper? Or is he, like, going golfing so some of the he, days? Yeah, so he has a lot of nieces and nephews. He has four older sisters. They all have two kids. So he's grown up around a lot of babies. However, I will say, somehow, he got through having, what, he has eight now? Eight nieces and nephews, or our nieces and nephews. He has not changed a single one of their diapers. I don't know how he's done it. But I don't know. I mean, I think... Once we brought this baby home, something kind of changed him a little bit and he was so ready, but I do think he maybe thought he would have a little more free time than he did the first, cause he got four weeks off of paternity leave, which was amazing. So he was home to help that whole time. But uh, yeah, it wasn't like he was out scheduling tea times and able to go hang out. It was like, oh, I'm sitting like in the closet weeping over like <laughs> not being able to like feed this baby and like my your hormones are going crazy. And he's just kind of like, are you okay? Like patting me on the head. It's okay. Like it's fine. I don't know what to do. He was great. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'd be interested to hear how other guys handle it. I do think when it's your own baby, it's different, even if you don't like babies, but it is a huge life change. Yeah, like I don't feel like any guy's actually ever prepared to be a dad. It just, you, no. they hold it and then they're like, oh, okay. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it just kind of, you look into that baby's eyes and it's like, okay, I know what's happening in the world now. Yeah, it's it's, it's a little weird. I just don't feel it. I mean, yeah. I've been here for probably three or four days and all we've done is baby talk. So let's move on past <laughs> the baby because we got a lot to cover here. Uh, so Lexi's four and a half years older than me, and um, we're very different, I would say. Very different. We grew up very differently. Yep. Um, we've had a, both kind of had a very unconventional mm-hmm. childhood um, and just growing up yeah. life. Um, yours was more normal than mine was. Yes. But mine was more weird because of you. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it, it was weird. So the way it was set up when we were growing up is when I switched from gymnastics into golf, I moved to Arizona with my mom and Lexi stayed in Colorado with my dad and my parents aren't separated. So we would spend half the year basically away from each other, but you didn't want to move because you were still in high school. I was in high school. So I was doing track and field really competitively. Plus I played volleyball and basketball. And when you're in high school, you have your own friends and you just, I was not about to move to Arizona. Um, yeah, so it was a little weird when we started doing that because people would say, oh, so your parents are divorced or separated. And we're like, no, they're just 
out there sometimes and then here sometimes. So it was a little bit odd to explain. Yeah, and you were more on the academic side. Yeah. You went to Stanford yep. and then did track there and then also crew for two years. Yeah, which was horrible. I did track. I was on a track and field scholarship. In high school, I was mostly hurdles and high jump. High jump was kind of my thing. And then when I was recruited, that coach left and went to Cal, of all places, the rival school. And uh, the new coach was like, oh, you should be a heptathlete. And I hate running. I mean, I hate it with a passion. And I, sprinting, great. Running, horrible. Anything over 200 meters. And I was like, you know, I probably would be better. To his credit, I was a lot better at the heptathlon. He was right. Um, but I did that for a year and just, I absolutely hated it. And for me, having to run and train for an 800 and then be at double the meets and doing all that just wasn't worth it. And Paige, you've talked about this before. Having a coach that you really love in college is so important. Yeah. And I just didn't vibe with my coach quite as well as I would have liked. Teammates were great, but the coach just, he would make us, if anybody has done running or training, bound up a concrete hill in a weighted vest, which is horrible for shin splints. So we would all just be so miserable. We were in the trainers all the time. So then I decided I can't do this anymore. I am, like Paige said, definitely the nerdy one. I love academics. That's why I wanted to go to Stanford. You get the best of both worlds, but I quit. And then when you quit, as an athlete, you've been an athlete your whole life, it's an identity crisis. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll walk onto the crew team, which was the worst idea because <laughs> crew does more running than any other sport. They would be like, okay, we're gonna run for 40 minutes, bike for 40 minutes, then erg for 40 minutes. So I was like, no. So I ended up quitting right before, I quit before the end of the season and they actually won the national championship. So that was kind of a regret of mine. <laughs> kind of a little like that ring. Um, but in the end, I was really happy I did. I, again, am the nerdy one and got to take the classes I wanted to take. I RA'd, I went to China to study abroad. So it ended up working out for me. Well, it's funny because when we were growing up as kids, I was always the more introverted, very shy, weird I mean so weird. mom and dad always worried <laughs> yeah. about me and you were very independent and outgoing and you had you're doing theater and everything was you had pretty much everything going for you and I don't think mom and dad ever worried about you yeah no I don't think so yeah I mean we were both weird in our own special <laughs> ways like you were super weird but I think a lot of it was <laughs> I think a lot of it was because you you had you were really shy and you mm -hmm. had this really bad separation anxiety when you were a baby and I think because we are almost five years apart I remember a lot of stuff about you as a baby that you just don't remember at all probably yeah um, but I was also really protective I mean you would cry every time we would go to birthday parties <laughs> and I would always go with you and be like it's okay it's all right um, but yeah you were definitely the one that I think mom and dad would probably have seen as being like I don't know what would you have been. Somebody where you don't have to talk to anybody, like a, a programmer, like a computer programmer or something, where you just sit behind a computer, don't talk to anybody. I, but I don't know, because when I was going through college, uh, you gave me a lot of tough love, and mom and dad were like, you need to get your shit together. <laughs> yeah. like, you have nothing going for you. You're not going to... Golf isn't panning out the way that we thought. What are you going to do? And you were even like, literally, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, no one thought that I had any career path for me. Well, I think it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about when, you know, you're an athlete, that's all you do. And I think you had just been thinking, cause you had such a phenomenal junior career. I mean, 
my life was weird because of you. Because you were so good, we moved. I switched in the middle of middle school to go down to monuments. You could train at that really awesome gymnastics gym. And then we did the split thing from there with the gymnastics. So literally your whole life was like, I'm going to either be an Olympian for gymnastics or I'm going to be a golfer. And then in college, I mean, that's a really hard transition for people. If anybody has ever been a college athlete, I mean, it's really, really hard. And especially for you where you have been homeschooled and then you know with our mom the entire time sheltered and then you go to this like crazy party school it's I mean it's a lot and I think that identity of crisis of like oh shoot like what I don't like playing competitive golf like maybe this isn't for me instead of being like what am I gonna find you kind of shut down a little bit because you were just by yourself and it was hard so pretty yeah, sure all my tough. friends thought I was going to be a stripper. <laughs> like that was the career path and that's all I was going to do. I mean, I think you'd be a phenomenal stripper. I would have supported you. I would have been your business manager for your stripping enterprise. And now with OnlyFans, I mean, like we could be making bank. So, I know, I know. I mean, in hindsight, maybe I made the wrong decision here. I should have pushed you into like, you know, doing more of that. I know. But I would say, I mean, we've had a pretty good relationship. I would say probably we did not get along well at all when I was... When kind of like you, when you were in high school and then yeah. that period until you were done with college and then I was done with yep. college. But during that time, we didn't talk. We nope. didn't have any kind of relationship whatsoever. I think it was because, I don't know if I blame mom and dad for this, but we were very competitive with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think it was always like who was getting more attention yes. from the other parents. And I'm sure you felt that way because my parents invested, or my parents. <laughs> <laughs> Our parents invest a lot of time into my gymnastics and then into golf because, I mean, dad always wanted to have a professional golfer as a daughter. Yeah, he tried to get me to do golf. I took, I don't think you probably even remember, but I took lessons with some pretty big name pros and I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm way too ADD to be able to do this. (laughs) I mean, that's why I went to the heptathlon because I was like, I can do this event, this event, this event. Um, But yeah, I do think it was part of that. And I also don't, I also think that what made it worse was that we, well, at least for me, I didn't realize I was being competitive with you. I just kind of felt it. And then I would sort of deny that I was being competitive. And I do think the age gap was hard. And I I would like, you know, if and when we have another to have it closer, because like you said, it was really weird when you were younger, you know, and I was in middle school and I was going through like a really tough middle school period. You were just a kid. You were this elementary schooler. And then in high school, you started doing all of your travel for golf. And so we literally did not see each other. I mean, we probably saw each other for like two months out of the year for eight years. Yeah. And then you were in, I was in college, so I was gone. And then you were in college. But I do think that um, college, you being in college was good for our relationship because then you did call me with some of the more tough stuff. And Well, I definitely couldn't go to mom yeah. about it. I mean, she, <laughs> she, before I went to college, she was like, if you drink alcohol, you will die. If you have sex, you will die. I'm like, like, I'm drunk. What do I do? Hey, to her credit, it worked for me. I was so paranoid. I was like the best kid in high school. So yeah, but uh, yeah, it was interesting. And then I think once all of this stuff started happening for you and you just kind of started getting these crazy followers, I remember you won, which tournament was it? Well, it was the Colorado match Colorado play. Match play. Mm-hmm. You won the Colorado match play, beat the world ranked number one world ranked amateur, if I remember right. And then it was a big deal. So there's a bunch of articles and then all of the followers started happening and we were like, Oh, cool. Like people like pages golf. And like, little did we know it was a completely different thing. Yeah. Um, but I remember, you know, kind of that was the start of, okay, let's, how do we work together? And I was working somewhere else at the time. 
um, and for a couple years was trying to do both and then finally realized, okay, this is a big time thing that I can't work two jobs. Um, but it's actually brought us closer together, which I don't think happens to most people. No. We work really well together because we are so different yeah. and our skill sets are so different. And so for people who don't know, Lexi is part of my team. She works with me. Um, we pretty much communicate every single day about business. And I don't, what was your, what would be like your official title you would say? So I usually explain it as sort of the COO of team page. Um, I'm kind of business manager, but I make sure the ship stays afloat. So uh, I know we always talk about team page, but it really is a pretty big business. I mean, page is a media company and I don't think a lot of people realize that. So we have me that's kind of bridging the gap between pages, creative vision, and then our team at her agency octagon. Um, we have her agent there, her manager, uh, and then a couple other people that we work with regularly, um, a creative person who helps with some of our production. And then they usually also have a, a trainee who will help with scheduling and itineraries and all of that. So, uh, with Paige's travel schedule and all the content she has to create, I am sort of the intermediary making sure everything works together and again, the, the ship is is staying afloat and everybody's doing what they need to do. So um, my role is really most like a COO, but um, it's always kind of hard to explain because no one's ever you know, done this in golf. And so we've kind of been making it up as we've been going along. <laughs> we have failed miserably. Uh, yeah, there have been a lot of horrible times. Deals. Yeah. It was, it was rough. So when I first started this, obviously I had no idea what I was doing. And I, I say this all the time where I, I never sought this out. I never wanted to be famous or social media influencer or have followers. And I feel like that's what a lot of people strive. They want to be famous. They want to have a lot of followers and I never did. So I think it was a really tough transition for me in the very beginning. And again, we didn't know any better. We didn't know anything. And so I had a pretty <laughs> interesting agent at first and it was good and bad because I think you had to become a really important role, really important person in my career because- Out of necessity. Yeah, because we didn't have anyone else that we could rely on. And there were so many times and so many tournaments that you actually came with me. And we I didn't have anyone else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I my parents didn't want to travel. Yep. I keep saying my parents, I, our <laughs> parents. Our parents, they didn't, want to, they didn't yeah. really want to have that much involvement in my career because they didn't really understand social media. They no. didn't get it at no. all. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it really was out of necessity. And I did have a little bit of a leg up because at Stanford, I did study social media. And while it wasn't a vocational degree, like I didn't learn how to make a marketing plan. I was in Silicon Valley when all of, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all of those things were blowing up. And so I was studying how people are interacting with these. So I kind of knew what I was doing. I wasn't just like, you know, I'm, a, I'm an accountant and now I'm going to do this. But um, I knew nothing about golf. I mean, I'd been on the golf course, but uh, in terms of professional level golf, I, I get, I still get nervous. I've been on so many golf courses when I have to go and get range balls um, and Paige always, how am I driving the golf cart, Paige? Oh gosh. Yeah, it's not great. She makes fun. I like, I guess I hold the wheel like a grandma and uh, I never know where I'm going. And Paige usually ends up driving the cart, which is probably not something that she should be doing on some of these things. So yeah, it's, uh, but, it, but it was cool because we, I love entrepreneurship and I started right out of college um, 
you know, running my own business with my husband and have worked at a lot of startups. So it's been really fun to work hand in hand with you kind of creating your brand and your business and making your vision come together. But in the beginning it was rough. And I, the, the agent you mentioned, he had, he was mostly in kind of like the extreme sports realm. And that was awesome because no traditional golf agent got what we were trying to do at that time. We could not find anybody and they, they just didn't understand the media plus playing and they said you either vision. had to play golf full time and that was your job or you had to be on the media side. You yeah. could never bridge that gap. Yep. And, and you had I to didn't do, want to do that. No. And you had to do broadcast and you had to be, we had a lot of people say, well, you need to act and do, you know, all of these things that Paige didn't want to do. So he, and he signed some big deals right off the bat that, I mean, a miracle. I don't know how he got some no. of those, but <laughs> it helped to sustain you for the first couple of years, big long-term deals that were, you know, you were able to work out some of the kinks, but yeah, I mean like that first year in, in Dubai, yeah. was honestly I, I think I, it was equally traumatic for both of us oh it is I I I legitimately think I have PTSD I I, I, I kind of want to go see somebody because I I had nightmares yeah and I would I would just like wake up being like I I'm panicked about I yeah it was it was traumatic for a lot of reasons wait remind me what was Dubai again was that this the nude leaked no, so we'll, we'll oh, get into that in a I, second. I also had nightmares about that. That was a fun adventure. <laughs> so for Dubai, it was my first big professional tournament. It was a European, ladies European tour event. And... I, neither of us thought that it was going to be a big deal. I accepted the sponsor invite because we're like, who's going to be watching this European tour event in Dubai? It doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And so we get there and it turned into this circus. Yeah. It was a circus. It blew up. It was the number one sports story in the world. I made front page news and it was a huge controversy because people said that I only got the sponsor invite based on my appearance and that I didn't deserve it. And so then it, I was really nervous. We were there for a while before the first round, but it was building and building and building. And I think that the press was getting more intense and I had to do full press days before mm -hmm. um, playing practice rounds. I mean, press was first before And playing. content creation. And content creation. And so I was spread pretty thin. I was obviously getting no sleep because of the time change, um, also with nerves. And so before the first round, I literally locked myself in the bathroom and tried to kill myself. <laughs> and yeah. we had to, Lexi like was banging on the door we got me out. I, we had to, it was my call, birthday, <laughs> Lexi's birthday. We had to call like call a therapist. Yeah. It was, it was really, it was awful. We, and, and I think what makes it worse, I seriously, I think about this dinner all the time and I do, we're laughing about it, but it was, it was honestly super traumatic. We had, they had us put up in this amazing hotel. And I will say the organizers at the tournament did not do this to Paige on purpose. I think it worked out great and it launched her career, but um, they were really amazing and so supportive. They did not know that this was going to turn out this way, but they had arranged this huge birthday dinner. It was incredible. We had this beautiful suite. They sent out like four chefs. They had like plates of sushi and there was a pasta bar and and it was amazing. And so we're sitting there eating and Paige is, you know, super nervous and she doesn't, you know, have a huge appetite when she's nervous. So I'm like trying to get her. I'm like, you got to eat for tomorrow. And then there's this news story where some, you know, kind of 
I wouldn't say idols of yours, but some big golfers that you had looked up to your whole career um, said some kind of negative things. And I think that took it over the edge. So Paige left and I'm at this dinner by myself with like these four chefs, <laughs> like with all this food and I'm like way too polite and nice. So I'm like stuffing myself with sushi, trying to like be really nice. So this like really awesome dinner. So then they all leave and uh, I noticed Paige has been pretty quiet for a while and we've never actually really talked about this. Um, but it was super, like, I'm probably going to tear up talking about it, but it was really, it was traumatic. And I remember, so I, I'm, you know, knocking on her door. She's not answering, saying page, page, page. He had a balcony. I walked out to the balcony and I'm, you know, knocking on her door. And, and I thought, I, I, I have to look over this balcony to see if she's jumped over the balcony. Yeah. No, it was bad. And I think it was just, I had yeah. a complete mental breakdown. It was a complete mental, you, I your just brain just couldn't handle I it. I couldn't handle the stress. I couldn't no. handle the pressure. And I don't think anyone in my position could have handled that. I mean, they probably could have <laughs> handled it better. I mean, clearly. Yeah. But it was, it was a lot because was a lot. I didn't have, a lot of people who have that, that much of a spotlight on them have had that for almost their entire life. Either they're phenoms or they're kind of bred to become this champion. I was forced into this. I was thrown into it and I had no tools to be able Mm -hmm. to handle that kind of stress and pressure. And I don't think anyone realizes how difficult it is when you are the center of a huge global controversy. And I'll, I mean, to me, it seemed like that but to other people it was probably just a passing story and they would yeah. leave a mean comment and that was that but to me it was my whole life yeah. I was so nervous and so scared so you slept in the room with me the I whole night I slept in the room we called she had just started working and this is I mean she she had worked with some sports psychologists but we finally got this one sports psychologist and you know we 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 facetimed him from Dubai and you know we're trying to figure out you know what do we do? And, you know, I, I trying to take care of Paige and I had to ask like, have you hurt yourself? Did you ingest anything? Yeah. And so I, you know, I said, what do I, you know, what do I do? And so he, um, and I actually think my training as an RA at Stanford really helped because we did have training on, you know, kind of, you know, suicide prevention and mental health issues and all of that. So, um, I felt decently equipped, but I stayed up in the room all night. I was jet lagged. <laughs> I was so tired. I didn't, um, I didn't sleep the entire night. I went through your phone to make like in case you had texted people to let them know that you're okay and uh, made sure you slept. And I remember you being like, okay, you can leave. And I was like, nope, I'm not leaving. Uh, and, and I was, had like a seven o'clock tea you time. You had an early tea time. And uh, yeah, it was, it was really rough. And I, I think people don't realize, like you said, what that kind of social media scrutiny and you know, internet pressure does to people. And I think this is why a lot of celebrities and influencers see, see therapists and get help because when you're being bombarded all the time, it's really difficult. Not at all saying that you didn't sign up for it. Well, you didn't sign up for it, but now you know, and you've been able to kind of get your tools, like your mental tools to help. And it's, you know, been obviously much better since that, but, um, it's really, it's really challenging. And I don't think people realize that and they think, Oh, you're a public figure. It's my right to be able to berate you and say whatever I want and blah, blah, blah. And that's true. Everybody's allowed to have your, their own opinion, but maybe consider the way that you're voicing those opinions online because it really does affect people. And, it was traumatic and I, I, I get anxiety when I think about it a lot and it's gotten better over the years, but it was really, if you've ever had a loved one be in a position like that, it's really, really tough. And then the next day, not knowing what was going to happen, but I will say you recovered so well. 
Um, I mean, not your first tee shot. Oh but my gosh, that <laughs> hook that drives so bad. But after that, I mean, for you to even shoot what you shot with the pressure and just, um, you say all the time, no, I'm shy and introverted. It's not a story. I mean, seriously, I don't know how many birthday parties I went with you two that you just, you know, cried and you were by yourselves hanging on the monkey bars. Uh, so it's... I literally had no friends. Like, no. I think when I tell these stories of my childhood, people don't believe me because they seem so far-fetched. But you, I mean, you saw it yeah. firsthand. Like, I would literally, like, lay under the table when people would come <laughs> into our house. Like, I would yeah. not look at anyone, even family members, no one. I didn't yeah, have and you really had bad the, social anxiety. Yeah, and you had the hair condition, and then that was made worse by you would get so anxious, you would ball your hair up into little balls and then pull your hair out, and then you would stick the hair balls around the house. <laughs> Which sounds funny now, but I remember we had this coffee table, oh, God. and there were these, like, drill holes, you know, for the screws. And you would stick the hairballs in the hole. Because I would lay head. under there when yes. I was stressed. I was like a dog. Yes. And I would like hibernate under this. Like, you would pull your hair out. You'd yeah. stick it in there. Which, again, we're laughing about it now yeah. because we've been able to get through it. But it's like, you know, it's these are real issues that you I, I think with. I've put everyone in our family at like high stress levels. Because I, yes. I mean, I overdosed when I was like four. Yeah, you did. <laughs> What? Druggy. Yes. <laughs> I had, so I have asthma, and so we would this have. This is really scary, actually. Yeah, but it's funny. It now. is funny, but it's really scary. <laughs> Why is every story about me like, <laughs> it's funny now, but like, I almost died? Yeah. Um, so I have asthma, and so we would use inhalers, and I realized that if I gave myself enough puffs, I would get a little high from it. And so <laughs> I literally had a drug problem when I was, I mean, like six seven eight and so I would literally get high off my inhaler and just sit there and so one day I took too many puffs and my mom opened the door and I'm just laying there peed myself were you like (laughs) unconscious unconscious. yes unconscious so my parents had to take me to the hospital well my my mom tried to hide everything up really high in the pantry but she had figured out where it was and climbed up these shelves in the pantry and uh yeah are and she you have to, kidding me yeah it was I, that's probably sorry mom if you're listening you had to deal with some of this stuff because i would i mean especially as a parent now i don't know how i would have raised us our parents okay we give we give mom and dad a lot of crap but they were phenomenal parents especially dealing with me like i definitely had a lot of emotional issues yeah, yeah. and i mean I, I still clearly do <laughs> we talked to our parents also Daily. Daily. We actually just had a conversation about this. I will always text them still about home stuff. Like, I am an adult homeowner with a baby. And I will text my mom and be like, Mom, so what if I plant this tree here? Like, oh, do you want to do paint color? My poor husband's just dependent like, oh on yeah. our parents. Like, yeah. we love our parents. Uh, but I I put them through yeah. so much. And yeah. then, obviously, the Dubai issue with you. And then the nude picture. Yeah. So that was also really fun. And, again, <laughs> it was just us dealing with yeah. all of this. Yep. No one was really helping us at this time because it was before I signed with my agency. Yep. Yeah, and I remember you called me and were like, hey. <laughs> Just in tears. Um... <laughs> So there might be this picture of me and I was just like, no, please. Like I cannot deal with a nude photo scandal. And so I remember I was like, okay, how many pictures is it? Are there videos? Like are the, what's going on? You have to tell me what's going on. And, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, I think now looking back on it, it's like, okay, it's a, it's a tasteful picture. (laughs) 
It was, you know, leaked, you know, by somebody you cared about, which is a really shitty thing to do. But a lot of other celebrities have gone through this and it's becoming less of an issue because there are so many jerks out there who, you know, do this kind of thing to people and people are realizing like, oh, it's a boom. Like, like get over it. We all have bodies. But it was really traumatic. And, uh, you know, I worked with a cybersecurity lawyer to try and scrub it off the internet. And he's like, there's no way we're gonna be able to get this off the internet. It's everywhere. It's on these sites like, you know, Celeb X, Y, and Z has tried to get it off these sites and you know, you don't have enough millions of dollars to be able to get rid of it. And they had this, uh, I mean, I've, I've seen this picture so many times. Someone just emailed it to me. I get it every oh single my day gosh. still. He's like, oh, I've been talking with Paige. I know it's Paige because she sent me this picture. I'm like, oh God, not that picture You know how again. many guys use that picture against me still to this day? They're like, oh, I heard you're dating so-and-so and they have this picture to prove like, it. Ah, ah. Yeah, so it's funny. I was like, I would just see this nude of my sister daily. I'd have to go through this portal and like click all the things to send cease and desist letters. And yeah, so I would have nightmares about, you know, early on because we didn't know you were that you were going to have a career. And like you said, you didn't know what you wanted to do. So this was like kind of like your only career path. Yeah. So I felt a lot of responsibility to keep your career afloat and keep all the scandals at bay and to keep your <laughs> mental health, you know, up. And especially, you know, early on, we didn't have the support team that we do now. I mean, now you have multiple people, a team of lawyers. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, I, I would wake up in the middle of the night and just be like, <gasps> the picture and then <laughs> check my phone and make sure it wasn't posted like somewhere crazy. And yeah, it's, it's, it was nuts. And then you had to call mom and dad. That was the, I, t the third episode when I talked all about this picture, if you guys want to go back and listen to it, that was the hardest part was telling yeah. mom and dad about the picture because I feel like our parents are definitely very liberal and when we tell them anything, they are very comforting, but at the same time, they're completely terrifying and yes. I think like my biggest fear in life is disappointing mom and dad yeah I never want especially mom mom is so scary <laughs> if mom just like looks at you in a certain way you know you just failed and that yeah. is the worst possible feeling ever and so when I was telling them I felt like they took it so well. Oh my gosh. They, so well. And I think, so, I mean, I feel like when we tell people our parents are scary, they think like, oh, these like, they're yelling at you. And the, what makes them scary is it's the disappointed parent thing where they give us all the freedom in the world. And if you break that freedom, like your life is over. Yeah. Like all of your permissions are gone until you prove that you can have them back. And so we've always, uh, they instilled a lot of personal responsibility and, you know, all of that into us. So we've wanted to be the best we could be never pressured us, never forced us to do things. Um, they would encourage us to do things that were hard, but like when I quit track, I was really scared to quit because I was like, I'm gonna lose my scholarship. And um, they're like, are you happy doing this? I said, no, I'm so miserable. And they said, quit. And yeah. it's the same thing when you said, I don't think I wanna play professional golf. They said, all right, play this, what did they say? They said, play one more tournament, get through the end of this year. And if you don't like it, then quit mm -hmm. and we'll figure it out. Um, but it does make you want to, do your best for them and it's really scary they i mean they we did have family meetings when we were younger where they would yell at us because we were being well, they brass. would yell at you they, they would, would yell never at yell at me because <laughs> you knew how to keep your mouth shut i can't keep my mouth shut uh it's funny how we literally switch yeah 
Because now I'm usually the one getting yelled at, and you're the one That's who's true. like the the golden child. Like you never get in trouble. They never. You're yell the at cash you. cow. I'm the golden child. Yeah. <laughs> they complement each other well. Like growing up, I never got in trouble. Yeah. I think they just felt bad for me though. I don't. Like <laughs> this weird, pale, little scrawny child. You were so. You were really kid. cute though as a kid. So Is it weird seeing me do what I do now, knowing how I was when I was a kid? It's not weird anymore because I've been able to see you grow into this amazing businesswoman with this incredible vision. But it, when you first started doing this, I was, it was weird. And I think the weirdest part is how, not even how you've stepped into your own as like a woman and a person, but, um, or like a business person, but as just like a woman, right? Like you are comfortable being sexy and you are okay voicing your opinions on the internet, which I'm scared of. Like I I have a political sign and I will not say which and I'm afraid to put it out because I'm like, oh, people are gonna know who I'm voting for. And uh, I try and stay away from politics. Like I'm gonna get anxious even saying this like later yeah. because I just am, I'm, a, I'm more of a people pleaser. And you've just really been like, no, this is who I am. I'm sexy, my body is shaped like this, and this is how I I look, and this is who I am. And I think that's been the weirdest thing because you've always, growing up, been the person who would look to like, you know, the popular kids, or you were always like the, the tag along who would kind of mold to whatever crowd you were in, and now to see you leading the pack, I think has been the most surprising thing. Um, but not anymore, at the beginning I would say it was, but since starting to work with you, over five years ago now, yeah. I think. It's been a long time. <laughs> I know. Uh, I've been really impressed with the way you've come along um, as as a business person. It's been really cool to see you. You know, the, the thing that I has really helped me is being able to say no to things. Uh, yeah. Whenever we're on calls, I'm always very impressed with the way that you handle partners when they want you to do something that doesn't align with your brand. And you're able to say politely and firmly, no, I'm not going to do that. And that doesn't align with my brand. And the amount of partnerships and money that you've turned down has also been very impressive. Um, there's a long-term strategy and I don't think a lot of people realize this. It's not just, oh, I'm just gonna post sexy pictures and make as much money as I can. There is a long-term strategy that we have, 10, 20 years that we are working towards. There is a roadmap. It's an actual business that makes a lot of money and uh, you're you know, marching along that road. And if something doesn't fit with that, then you're not gonna do it. Yeah. You could have made probably, I don't know, quadruple probably. the amount of money if you would have taken a lot of stuff that's come your way. So that's that's helped me in in, you know, my career before I, I quit to do this full time and then to have, you know, my baby, um, being able to stand up for myself a little bit more. Cause I definitely was that person who would just say, Oh, I'll do that. And I'll do this thing. And Oh, that's fine. And then I would scramble to make it work. And that's not always the best. Well, I felt like I, ha I had to do that, especially being a woman in a male dominated industry where people do try to take advantage of you. And I think I'm at the point in my career where, I know the value that I bring to partners and I know my own personal value. And it's hard because a lot of people, they'll, since I am just Paige Renee on Instagram, they see me as just that. They don't realize that I'm a media company as all the other golf media companies out there and I am the top media company. Yeah. And so it's, it's hard because 
I do turn down a lot of things, but I know I have to because I want to be taken seriously with what I do. Yeah. Any company you work with has to be something that you love. It has to be something that you think your followers will love. And if it doesn't check the boxes, then it's, it's not a thing. But I think you mentioned the other day on Instagram, you had said, I am proud of being the most followed golfer, golf brand, golf, anything on Instagram. And you had people coming back and saying, no, you're not. And you're like, look, look it up. Go look. <laughs> find, find some people and compare the numbers. Uh, and it's, it's hard to maintain. And the amount of people who come back and say, your 15 minutes are up. It's like, it's been a long 15 minutes. It's, it's actually surprising that we have built what we have with no support, no expertise in this field. We were just doing what we wanted to do. And yep. I think that actually worked really well for me because I worked with different brands or companies that weren't traditional golf companies. And so I was introduced to different groups of people and I have always just kind of stuck to what I've wanted to do. But I like think back and there's so many times where my career should have been over. Oh yeah. Or could sure. have been over. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's been a lot of deals that have not worked out the way that we wanted them to work out. And I mean, it still could not work out. And I think that's the hard thing is we've come this far and I think there's a certain level of, of stability now, but it's so fickle. You yeah. just don't know. And not only this type of company, but any company, especially with everything going on in the world right now, um, you just really have to keep working and grinding every day. But it is really nice to at least know, okay, I have some time of, that it can be a little more stable and I know what money type of money is coming in. Um, but it's hard. You just don't know. And especially in this industry, when you are public facing as a personality, people twist your words all the time. Like you could have some type of crazy scandal that you don't even know, you know, it wasn't your fault and all of a sudden, so you just don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but even if it ended tomorrow, you should be really proud of everything you've, you've done. We've built, I mean, it's cool that we've done this together, but I, you have to fact check me while we're doing this podcast right now because I've told some stories about mom and you need to confirm them. So first one, does mom sleep on her back like a vampire? Yes, she does. (laughs) She sleeps on her back like a vampire. When you come into her room, her arms are crossed over her chest. She's laying there and then she sits up like a vampire and she looks at you and she goes, yes, it's terrifying. She like doesn't sleep. Does she even? I don't don't know if she's sleeping. I don't think she's. I think her eyes are closed, but she's just like regenerating. But she's not actually sleeping. Have you ever seen mom cry? I've never seen mom cry. I've never seen her cry. I've seen her eyes tear up once, and I think that's it. She says that she was really emotional when she dropped me off for college, but she held it together really well. I was there. She didn't shed a tear. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, thank God, the difficult ones to find. Get out of here. Um, but no, she, she, I think her, I think you've said this on the podcast, but she was a professional ballet dancer and I think it was literally cigarette burned into her to not show emotion and to be really tough. Uh, and she's just held on to that for these past however many years. Yeah. Well, it's funny because mom is the traditional guy in the household. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, when we grew up, like mom was fixing, 
everything in the house. Yeah. She it was her toolbox, yes. and she would do everything. And she's she out in the one, garden. Yeah, and she like, would do the garden, yeah. and she would discipline us. Yeah. And then our our dad was cooking and yep. cleaning, and like he's weeping very, over like animal movies. <laughs> he's very sensitive, yeah. and so it, it's it's that was I think really funny for us to grow. But it's probably why we are so I would say independent. Yes, and for sure. They've always instilled in us to not rely on a man financially or for anything really. Yeah. I think her biggest lessons that have helped us as people and as, uh, you know, career women, um, one always respect everybody. We would go to hotels and she would always treat everybody exactly the same, no matter what they were doing, you know, the bell boy and the cleaners and you know, the wait staff, everybody. I mean, she would just be so nice to everybody. And I think, having traveled as much as we have and seen the way some people treat these people has been kind of eye-opening actually for me. Um, That has been really big. Loyalty has been another thing that's been, I think, ingrained in me from her. She's the most loyal person. Um, And I think that's helped a lot in your career. If you're you have a partner and you're signed with somebody, I mean, you are just like all in for that person and her work ethic. Yeah. I, I think one thing that gives social media influencers a bad rap is the partying and they get hired to go to events. And they show up drunk or they're yeah. drunk when they're there. Or they're taking drugs or what you know whatever's happening. When we go to things, it is a job. And we have been begged at events to go out <laughs> to, to strip, strip clubs. <laughs> I mean, you know, like we've been asked by clients like, oh, in Vegas, like to come out to the strip club, which is, you know, if you can do that professionally, that's fine. But it's two young women. It's like, you know, there are some lines that we don't cross. We don't drink mostly unless I mean there are some circumstances I think that you know are you would more than I I would never drink out of you would never drink because you don't really drink but for me as kind of like the networker person you you know if somebody really important asks you to take a shot of 42 like you you do it yeah um but we would never be drunk uh and then we would never go and put ourselves in inappropriate positions uh, again, especially as young women. Remember when we were at that event in Vegas and those two guys came up and thought we were hired, um, quote unquote, yes. <laughs> and we were at this event and these two guys came up and they're like, Hey, how are you ladies? I'm like, Oh, good. And you know, Paige is there as you know, a celebrity. And he's like bragging about what he's like. I have $400,000 worth in of checks in my backpack. Blah, blah, blah. And I flew like, around my private jet. Yeah. And we're just like, oh, okay, great. And it was like very clear that they thought we were hired to be working that party. And we were like, uh, nope. no. <laughs> and then the, like the gears start to turn. You start talking more about, you know, what you do. And he's like, wait, who are you? And they, I think, got embarrassed and left pretty quickly after that. They went to the next Yeah, right. Where are those other models yeah. around here? <laughs> Uh, but I think the work ethic thing has really helped because a lot of people don't behave like that and you'll see them, you know, too drunk and not showing up to things on time in the morning. And especially in golf, you have early mornings. You can't be out super late showing up, you know, looking really haggard, uh, after a night of partying. So, well, I think that's one thing that has really helped my career is always being professional. Always I think when people see my online persona that they think I'm going to be this party girl and that I'll be flaky, but I've never been late for a job. I'm always 10, 20 minutes early. Yeah, you don't hook up with the clients. I do not hook up with but the surprisingly, clients. Surprisingly, we 
have a lot of stories of people doing inappropriate things. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. never happened. I don't drink at events. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I'm there to work and I'm always polite to everyone. We write thank you notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and that that's huge. I mean, mm-hmm. you get invited back because you're pleasant to work with and you're not. Yeah. I mean, we've heard so many stories of people just being lost at different hotels. They can't find them. They don't know what's mm-hmm. going on. They mm-hmm. were passed out. Like, it's insane what some people do at yeah. these events as. I, like not not just they're there to either play uh, music for them or yeah. like they're not just there to have fun like yeah. they're there to work so it's crazy yeah. and then the last thing you need to fact check because no one believes this did we eat baby food oh we ate baby food i ate baby food i don't remember the last time i had it i, th- I think maybe in college but through high school high school track meets we would get my the thing we would do the most is the baby meats. we call them baby meats i don't know the actual <laughs> term because that's what we called them but they, they look like little vienna sausages and they come it's basically like ground up meat in like a, a like a hot dog like a, a skin of it's some like sort casing. it sounds gross no. as i'm describing it <laughs> yes story yes. no yes and it would be in, packed in water mm-hmm so it's like basically pre-chewed meat with the skin and water, which sounds super appetizing, but our mom would always have us eat them because they were a great source of protein and they were shelf stable. So if you're out at, you know, a gymnastics meet or on the golf course, or for me, a track meet, I would just whip them out of my bag as I'm sitting waiting for a high jump and eat the, the, eat the little baby meats. And you know, you got to eat them, you know, I would bite the little ends off and then I would suck the meat out of no. them. I would, I would take the casing off and then eat the inside smush part and then eat the casing. The, the casing was pretty good. I don't know what that so, was. So Lexi, are you like throwing in like one extra baby food snack when you're like packing like a lunch for your daughter? You're like, and I'll take one like fruit squeeze for me and one for my daughter. I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie. Some of the baby food now is still really good. They have these amazing little freeze dried like fruit snacks sort of and they have ones that are with yogurt and they kind of melt in your they're mouth really they're delicious good. yeah I've had although a couple while I'm here <laughs> disappointingly I will say I tried to find baby meats the other day and I didn't see them there's probably something weird in them that they can't Pro- <laughs> probably but yeah we know I, I will fact check you on that um and I would take the label off at track meats because I didn't want people knowing that I was eating these weird baby food I know and not only that, but we had these protein shakes that she would give us that were brown. They had like tofu in them. So we oh, didn't yeah. eat sugar for, I mean. I think we did absolutely no sugar for maybe like two or three years. Yeah. And I remember in middle, it was when I was in middle school and they would have donut Fridays and I was like, no, I don't have a donut. I wish I had that much willpower now. What happened? I used to be so motivated. I don't... We're just not scared of mom anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she would make those protein shakes and she would put the silken tofu in. And yeah. we were eating, you know, shakes and having green juices with the beets, the beet Ugh. juices. And before that was actually a thing. We had a weird childhood. We did. It was... Yeah, it was... It was a lot. <laughs> it was great though. It was great. We had a great childhood. I look back on it fondly. But we were, I was weird. You were weird, but you also somehow got into like the popular girls club sometimes because you would just follow them around, like do what they said. And I always wanted to be friends with the popular kids, but I was, I can 
pass for being cool sometimes. And then you get to know me and you're like, yeah, she's a little off. There's That's true. I was always with the popular yeah. group. But you weren't like really friends. So you like... No, they didn't like me. No, they, you were just there and they hung out with you, but they weren't, you weren't like friends with no. them. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. Uh, it's still kind of like that. That is day. very true. <laughs> that is just that. You, like showing up to these events. Hey guys. Like, I don't know. It's like the first, the first year in Dubai. Remember that, um, welcome party. Yeah. And we sat by her. It was really cold and windy and we were sitting by ourselves by the pool and those guys were like, you guys look miserable. Are you okay? <laughs> It was a little sad. That happens at all the events that we yeah. go to because Lexi would come to with me to all of the events that I had for the first, I would say, two or three years. Yeah. Yeah, probably Every three single years. event. Every event. I was the one who traveled with her before we had this team uh, of people who could travel as well. And uh, I would go to everything. And I didn't know anything about golf, so we would show up and I wouldn't have money. What's that thing, that book called? I don't even see. I don't even know still. Yardage book? A yardage book, yeah. And like, oh, you want to buy the yardage book? I was like, I don't have money. I, like, what? Where does she go? What does she do? So it was a huge learning Listen, Lexi, Lesson. you've been a good source on some good stories. We do have to go to break really soon, but I'm going to ask you three rapid-fire questions about getting to know, you know, our dear old Paige a little bit more. <laughs> All right. But what is the biggest fight you guys have ever been in? There was one time in Arizona we had a big family meeting where you basically said you hated me, and I don't remember what I was doing because I – I was probably just being mean somehow. I'm like passive aggressively mean sometimes. So the thing about Lexi is that she's extremely smart. Very, very smart. She's also a, she was a black belt in Taekwondo. She's taller than me. She's stronger than me. And so I never had any advantage over Lexi with anything. So I, I couldn't be mean to her because she would insult me back 10 times harder and it'd be very smart and it would hurt. It was witty. And then I couldn't, I could never fight you because you would literally kill me. So I think I like just growing up, I, I think I was also jealous of you because dad pretty much raised you yeah, and you had a lot more freedom than I had. And yeah. so I never had a normal life. We grew up very differently. Very different. You were, you were groomed for this basically, even though you didn't know it. Yeah. And so I think I was always jealous of you for that. And I, and I always think you kind of looked down on me because I didn't put as much effort into my grades or I didn't really try all that hard in I college. was jealous of you because of how much attention mom and dad gave you because of your exceptional abilities and in sports. And I think like looking back on it, that's, that was my problem. I was always like, well, why does she, you know, she gets to live in Arizona and you, you guys are always talking about her meets and stuff. And because mom didn't go to traditional school, she went to that private boarding school for ballet. Um, she didn't understand high school. So she, when I got into Stanford, they were like, oh, cool. Good job. <laughs> like nobody, nobody knew that it was like a big deal. So I think I was a little jealous that mom related to you more because she understood that kind of achievement and she didn't really understand like test scores. Yeah. Well, I always thought mom and dad liked you better, especially like when I was in college, I thought they were disappointing me. So we had this huge fight when I was maybe in sophomore, junior year of college and Lexi was a couple years out. And um, I don't know, they were you were probably picking at me and mom and dad weren't doing anything. Probably and I just, about I snapped. It, yeah. I just completely snapped. 
Um, I said I hated you. I said I hated dad. And <laughs> never want to see you again. I yeah. never want to see you again. Um, we just don't get along. We're too different. I mean, I never love you because you're family, you. but I hate you as a person. And I just went into my room and that was that. And that was yep. probably the worst fight we've ever had and we've never talked about it so never talked about it so that was <laughs> so thanks that. Tori for giving us some therapy and you are welcome yeah. <laughs> and now we work together so great yeah that's that's pretty ironic okay second yeah. question what is one thing your sister is really bad at uh everything technology <laughs> i do I not can, know. i can agree with that one. Oh my goodness video call every time we're on a video call it's just like Paige, turn the can like she cannot do it she never remembers her passwords she doesn't remember what email account she has she doesn't know how to set up her phone i do all of that for her if she gets a new phone it doesn't get set up until the next time i see her you had your new phone for a year before you didn't use it she bought a new phone didn't use it and then i was like all right we need to set this up for you because she didn't know how to do it so technology i agree okay what is her most embarrassing story or moment i mean honestly the the nude picture was probably the most embarrassing but what's one that oh man i feel like i've just had a lot of really embarrassing things happen to me like little things that like I'm either getting yelled at by bus drivers yeah. or like I just a lot of bad things always happen to me. This is always. a really hard one. Yeah, you haven't had a lot of like, oh, my pants fell down in public or, you know, any of those kinds of things. It's just always a bunch of little stuff. I would say maybe the most embarrassing thing that happened to you, our neighborhood that we used to live in was and and I think this is more traumatic for you probably. All than of my stories are traumatic. Right? People wonder why I'm so mad. But she up. was, you know, maybe like six or seven years old and our neighborhood was the biggest trick-or-treating neighborhood so there you know it's back when I think trick-or-treating kind of died down a little I haven't seen it this many kids but like you know 10 or 20 kids would come to each door at a time you know ring the doorbell and this this lady just held out a bucket and said take a couple and so Paige reaches in as like a six-year-old and takes three the lady slaps her hand in front of maybe 20 other kids and ye- yells at her and says a couple means two and Paige just bursts into tears and runs out, and all these kids are just like looking. Or the fact that I looked like a boy for uh, the majority also, of my yes. life. Yeah, you also looked like a boy. Maybe that's why you're so like feminine now. Because everyone thought I was legit yeah. a boy. We had to pierce Paige's ears when she was little because again, she had, <laughs> her hair would fall out, so she had no hair. And uh, yeah, we my mom got her ears pierced to make her look more like a girl because Paige would cry every time people would. Say she looked like a boy, which was probably every day. Every day. Yeah. That is so, so sad. But I'm going to need you to post a picture. I, <laughs> but I like, you need she to post was, a picture. But she was so cute. I wish I had like a funny, embarrassing story, but they're all just kind of sad and pathetic. And it's just <laughs> kind of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Poor little Paigey. She was so cute, though. Well, I'm glad people got to know me a lot better on this segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I talk about literally my childhood and everything I've been through and like I said I don't think people actually believe me yeah so I'm glad that you could join us and explain everything that we have been through in our life and what we do now because it's I think it's pretty cool yeah it is cool and I think one of the reasons that you've had such a great career up to this point is because you are authentic you have to be yourself and for people saying it's a it's an act I think now with this type of career in social media you you have to be yourself or else people sniff it out and they they know that it's not a thing and you don't get the notoriety. So yeah, this is the real page. 
She's not lying. Yep. But we're going to go to a break. But Lexi, I'm going to have you stay around because we're going to talk about Shadow Creek and we have a funny Shadow Creek story. Yes. Yes. So keep on listening. So we're going to do some sports talk after... The depressing recap of my life. So we had Jason Kokrak won the CJ Cup. It was originally at Nine Bridges in Korea, but they moved to Shadow Creek in Las Vegas because of COVID. I will say Shadow Creek is one of my all-time favorite courses. Lexi, you've been out there a couple times with me for charity events. It's a beautiful golf course. It's phenomenal. You're in the middle of the desert, and all of a sudden you pull up to this lush like golf wonderland. It's amazing. And no one has ever been sober playing Shadow Creek before. Uh, no. It's all the events we've been there for are just so fun, but also so boozy. I know. You got stuck in a cart with someone who was... Yep. Yep. Super drunk. Oh, yeah. Almost, you almost ran off the road multiple times. Oh, it times. was terrifying. There's a tight curve on one of them. He is holding a drink. There's two drinks in the cup holders, and he hands me a drink to hold. So I, I have two hands. That's why I couldn't <laughs> hold on. I had two cups. None of them were mine. And he comes around a turn, and I legitimately thought we were going to go over. Both wheels were up off the ground. It was a lot. Good times. So... I'm so glad Jason won as well. I played with him at the Pro-Am at Riviera and one of the nicest guys, super cool, super laid back, but it's just so funny to see a PGA Tour event held at Shadow Creek. I'm glad it was so people could see the beauty of the golf course, but those guys have never played that golf course sober. I mean, when you go play Shadow Creek, you know you're there for a good time. So it was probably so weird for them to be on the golf course and play it and actually chart it and see the way the holes are going because they are definitely seeing double at all times when they play that golf course. So I hope Jason likes to have a really good time. So I hope he's doing well this morning. I mean, I'm he's sure he celebrated. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he celebrated very hard in Vegas, but that was fun to watch. And then obviously, Tori, baseball, Dodgers, Ugh. one in game seven. How did you feel about that? I literally have never, again, you guys know me, I hate emotions, and I have felt more emotions in those seven games than I have, like, honestly, my whole life. I was, I actually, like, got teary-eyed after they won. I was like, they, no one deserves this more! And then I'm like, man, now we have to go into a World Series. I need healing. And it's Tuesday. It's happening Tuesday. Crazy. I can't believe that both games went to a game seven, which was great. So the Rays beat the Astros Praise and the Dodgers the beat the Braves. But Praise I wish the Lord Astros. I are wish out. it was the Astros versus the Dodgers. I think that would have been a great World Series. Probably would have been one of the most highly viewed World Series, especially after last year and the cheating scandal and everything with the Astros. It would have been interesting. You, you, I, you can't deny that it would have been. I just, I don't think anybody would have been watching it comfortably. Like, you wouldn't be like, oh, this is going to be good. It's more of, it would felt like sudden death. Like, if Astros win, they're cheating again is where my head's going. And if the Dodgers won, you'd be like, yeah, that's happy and redemptive. But it's just like, the whole time I was watching the Astros play the Rays, I'm like, are we okay with this? Like, we're okay with them being here right now. Like, very, you just don't, I'll never be able to trust the Astros again. Never. No, no, I know. But so Tori, though, we have a problem because you're a Dodgers fan and mm-hmm. I am I am now a Dodgers fan, as everyone knows, after my feud with the Padres. <laughs> but I said that the Rays are going to win the whole thing. So I'm going to go with the Rays and you go with the Dodgers and maybe we can put a little fun bet on it. Uh, super down. 
but I just want you to prepare because the Dodgers are winning. So yeah, no, I feel that too. I, I feel that too. <laughs> Thank I, you. I will say that Mookie Betts is probably one of my most favorite baseball players of all I, time. I think I will have my first child's name now be Mookie Betts. First name. He is just first so, first so cool. So cool. I mean, he makes me want to watch baseball. And if you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that's not an easy thing to do. So, <laughs> Not an easy thing. No. Mm-mm. Okay. So one last sports story. And this is a rough one because I ranted about hoodies on the golf course last week. And I was very frustrated about it. And a new story came out where a guy was kicked off the golf course because he was wearing black socks. Oh. Black socks. That's like maybe the most golf thing I've ever heard. But he was wearing black shoes. Yeah. So what, you want him to wear white socks? White socks and black black shoes? shoes? I don't get it. I don't understand why golf continues to do this. Why does it matter what color socks he's wearing? Is that something that's actually written into some dress codes? Yes. Sock color? Yes. Absurd. Absurd. And it typically has to be white? Apparently. I always thought that you had to wear black socks with black shoes. If you wore white socks with black shoes, then you looked like a doofus. But I guess mostly dorks play golf, so it makes sense. (laughs) Wait, how interesting. No, but not only is the dress code bad, but they also want you to dress poorly, too. And to be kicked off the course for your sock color. I mean, at least make it like when you don't have a tie at a fancy restaurant. Like, make the guy buy some socks. I don't know. That's just ridiculous. It's just, it drives me insane. I mean, you've seen it all the time where I'm always getting either like in trouble or kicked off or we were at the range the other day and I wore a top that was a little. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. She was shooting this story and she's like, I think this is the line. I think, I think I hit the line that I don't want to cross anymore. This is it. But I mean, that's uh, why we go to public ranges. It's more fun. I mean, if you would look down the line of people who are hitting there, everybody was in sweats. And honestly, I saw a lot of leggings and a lot of tank tops on girls, which I thought was great. I have friends all the time who don't play golf who want to get into golf that ask me, can I go to golf in this? Can I do this? And they're terrified because they don't know what they can and can't wear. I'm like, just go to a public course and wear what you want to wear. So yeah. I don't know. It's so prohibitive. I agree. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. Black socks. <laughs> That, that Especially is, if you're wearing, I mean, come black on. Yeah. Who wears white socks with black shoes? I would never. I would rather not play than be forced to wear white socks with black shoes. Same. Same. That's horrible. Would you, Tori, would you ever wear, you know, actually, before I ask that question, you know who would wear white socks with black shoes? Josh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> with his He's green pants. He's probably listening right now going, what are they talking about? <laughs> white socks and black shoes or what we should wear? That's my old person voice. Yeah. Nailed it. (laughs) Spitting image of Josh. Yeah, no. But the thing is, it kind of goes back to the hoodie, though. Like, I get that it's super petty, but, like, if there's a dress code, just follow the dress code, and then we're fine. I know. At private golf courses, they can do whatever they want to do. I get it, but it's stupid. It is stupid. stupid. I feel like there has to be... There has to be some kind of, like, you can't... You can't get that granular, right? Like, are they going to start regulating, like, what kind of earrings you can wear? They definitely like, just hated the guy. Yeah. They definitely probably, they're were, like, looking, looking at his at outfit, him. and they're like, what can oh, we do great. to kick Greg this guy Oh, great. Greg is wearing yeah. black socks today. <laughs> Let's kick that dick off the course. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <sighs> other sports talk. I don't know. Football was pretty boring this week. Steelers are still undefeated. They're yeah. They're having 
some COVID issues as well, but nothing too exciting on that. So, you know what, Tori, I'm feeling some TNA. Do you want to do some TNA? Let's hop right into it. This one is from Alex. Do you find it beneficial to hit a bucket at the range before a round of golf, or is it better to go in cold? <laughs> uh, I think it depends on the person. Definitely, I think warming up is good, but I would recommend if you don't have a lot of time or you don't want to pay for a bucket of balls before you go play, Go do short game. So go hit some chip shots, some wedge shots, some putting. That's going to save you more shots out on the golf course anyways than just going and beating a bucket of balls. If you do want to hit, get a small bucket, warm up just a little bit, and then hit some balls going through your pre-shot routine, and that's it. You can do it in five minutes, ten minutes. You don't need to hit a large bucket. I feel like sometimes when I practice too much before I go play, I get in my head about it because you're like, oh, no, I'm missing it right, and then you're missing it left, and then you're trying to – change your swing and fix this and fix that. And so you always have to keep in mind that when you're warming up before you go play, it's a warm up. So you're not trying to fix anything. You're not trying to change your swing. All you're doing is warming up your body. So if you tend to be a little mental when it comes to hitting golf balls, you can just do practice swings. Just do practice swings, warm up your body, and then go chip for a little bit and definitely definitely go hit some putts. I don't know how many times I'll see people not hit a putt and then they three or four putt the first hole because they don't know how fast the greens are. And they're like, oh, I had no idea. I'm like, there's a practice putting green right there. Go practice your putting, go chip. And that's going to be the best thing for you. There you have it. There you go. So that's TNA for this week. And guys, we want to hear from you. So make sure you're sending in those questions, those emails. You can email us at par at iheartradio.com or you can go to our Instagram account, which is at playing around podcast. So definitely go follow us there and send in your questions. Honestly, it could be anything. I am an open book. You guys know that. So you can ask me golf questions. You ask me personal questions, whatever you want. So make sure you're sending in those listener emails. Lexi, I want to thank you for coming on. I know you were probably a little nervous too. Yeah, I feel better. I feel better now. I popped your podcast cherry. Oh, I know. I just, it needed to happen. <laughs> it's, I'm getting too old. It was, it was time. But it's funny because you, you listen to podcasts all I love the time. podcasts. So maybe you were born for this. You know, I did take a writing for the radio course in college and they told me I had a podcast voice. So maybe this is my calling. You know, we could probably just, you can pretend to be me. And then <laughs> <laughs> I got to brush up on my golf knowledge. Yeah. No, but um, I think hopefully people enjoyed this episode and getting to know me a little bit better and what we do. And I never talk about my family really that much. Uh, I never post about you guys on social media. It's always something that I tend to keep a little bit more private. So this podcast has been fun to uh, talk about my family a little bit more and all the crazy things we've done and the weird unconventional life that we have lived. But Again, uh, I just want to thank you for coming on. Hopefully you had a decent time. Yeah, it was it was awesome. It was fun. And I do feel like we had some therapeutic moments. We did. So, you know, I feel better. Maybe I won't have PTSD over my traumatic experiences anymore. <laughs> Dubai, oh, the pictures, <laughs> all of the above. Yeah. I think I'm just stalling because I know when we're done with this podcast, I'm going to have to go stare at this baby again <laughs> and no one wants oh, that. Oh, she's, she's probably napping. So if you're, you're free. Oh, thank you goodness. Free. You can go eat instead. Okay, Better perfect. Better two options. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thanks for coming on. And as always, thank you guys for listening and supporting and catch us on the next episode. 
That was your smoothest outro. That was awesome. I (laughs) nailed that. I nailed that. (laughs) Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 